The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. This is James Loving, host of Loving That Sports Talk show, and we got co-host Tay Jackson. Terry Jackson, you there? I'm here, love. And we got a main man, another host, Galen Thatcher. You there, Galen? I'm here. Well, good, Galen. I'm glad that you guys are here. This is going to be a really good show. You know, I was up all night. You know, I text you, talk to you, Galen. I've been talking to you all night, Terry. Yeah. You know, we're going to have a, a young lady call in, um, Nami, Wyoming. And uh, we're going to learn some things, Galen, you know, a little bit about, you know, all the concussion stuff. She's going to give us a little history on that and what depression all that go through and Man, you know, reading up on it last night, like I said, Galen, when I went through, I didn't know some of the symptoms and didn't want to accept it. You know what I mean, Galen? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Terry? Yeah. Yeah, I know. So, so the thing about this is, you know, you, you, you don't recognize this stuff, you know, all the, the, they say the mental illness or the things you go through, but, you know, depression, I think, is the number one cause. What do you guys think about that? Well, I, I think we all go through a, a little bit or a certain amount of depression within our lives, and um, some of us just, you know, it takes a little bit more than others to, to jump out of it, but um, it's very prevalent. I mean, and I, I think it's a part of life. Uh, when you have the ups and downs that you have, you know, I think we all battle with it uh, to a certain extent. And, you know, I think, you know, as it relates to concussions in football, um, that, you know, we as athletes are so, we're sort of prideful, and so, you know, we use our bodies to make a living. And so when we're unable to do that due to concussion or any other injuries, then it's, it's tough on us. And so sometimes, you know, we go ahead and perform, although we're injured, and, and you know, a concussion is harder to diagnose. And as far as in the past, you know, they didn't have really any concussion tests and all that kind of stuff. So if you got your bell rung, you know, if you could snap out it, out of it, you would just get back on the field and perform again. And so now, you know, with the concussion, um, uh, all the stuff coming forward, you know, some of the times probably I performed out on the field, probably shouldn't have been out there, and, you know, you don't realize it. Sometimes as players, and, you know, I'm starting to get more and more on Roger Goodell's side, that, you know, sometimes as players we need to be protected from ourselves. You know what, guys? Um, I'm glad you said that again. We're going to start over. Um, we got Andrea Hammond on the line. You there, Andrew? Yes, I am, James Loving. How are you doing today, Andrew? Doing great. Thank you for inviting us. Right. Well, guys, um, I got um, Terry Jackson on the line, Andrew. Terry? Yes. How are you doing, Andrew? Good. How are you, Terry? 
good. I got Galen Saxon on the line. Galen, you there? Yes. Hi, Andrea. How are you? Good. Good. Well, well, Andrew, go tell them a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get on with the question and get it started. And um, Galen, when she gets done, I would like you to repeat what you said. Okay. okay. Well, um, my name's Andrea Hammond. I work for NAMI Wyoming, which stands for the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And we um, are part of a national organization. We have a local chapter here in, in Wyoming with eight regional affiliate programs. And our mission is to provide advocacy, education, and support to individuals living with mental illness and their families and to be a force for positive change in the lives of all of those affected by mental illness, whether that be an individual who has a mental illness, is living with a mental illness, their family members, our allies, or providers. We have a number of different programs that we offer um, throughout the state. Those include provider education, Inner Own Voices, a family-to-family support program, NAMI Connections, um, NAMI Basics, which is more geared towards parents and teachers learning about their children's diagnosis, and NAMI Smarts, which really empowers people to do advocacy work, not only with the legislature and policy decisions, but for their own rights to have, um, you know, adequate health care as well as economic justice. And one of the major things that we're focusing on this year is a uh, media campaign to reduce the stigmas associated with mental illness. Um, You know, (laughs) we really want to focus on the strengths of those diagnosed with mental illness. Um, As you know, some of the brightest, most creative people in history, such as Abraham Lincoln, Tipper Gore, people you know, such as Mike Wallace, Terry Bradshaw, Winston Churchill, all were diagnosed with a mental illness. And they make great contributions to society. You know, uh, Andrew, uh, who want to go first, Terry? You, Galen, but um, I'd like to get... Go ahead, t- get Terry. Well, Andrew, you know, it's it's pretty easy for us to talk about our child or our children who have mental illness, but when, we come, when it comes to adults, uh, it's a little bit more difficult um, to, to get that across. Tell, tell us a little bit about... Uh, the adults with the mental illness and, and, and actually what, what mental illness is? Well, mental illness is actually just, you know, an illness like any other illness, such as cancer, but it affects certain portions of, you know, the brain or the brain chemistry. And there's a lot of signs of mental illness that, you know, may indicate that something's wrong or that you may want to see a professional for help. But um, I think, you know, what it's important to recognize is that Mental illness doesn't focus on, you know, one income level or one particular race or one age group. It affects all walks of life, and um, it is an illness, you know, and so often in society, you look at the history of, you know, state hospitalizations and, you know, just even portrayals of people with mental illness in the media. There's such a stigma um, associated with it, even though it is just an illness, that it prevents a lot of people from accessing help. So some of the warning signs could be, you know, um, some prolonged or severe depression, a marked personality change, confused or disordered thinking, um, inappropriate anger, um, a high level of anxiety. You may see somebody withdrawing from some society or isolating themselves, um, maybe unjustified fears, indifference to activities that they once enjoyed, um, reoccurring thoughts of death or suicide, um, so there's a, a lot of different things that may indicate that something's wrong, and certainly I'm not in a position to be a clinician, but I want people to be aware of these signs so that they know that it's okay to go get help. It's an illness. 
One of the things that I think is important, you know, particularly to the audience that listens to this show, is um, the issue of Junior Seau. And, you know, that was highlighted really in the media two weeks ago. I think, you know, from all outward appearances, it seemed like, you know, according to society's definition and the way that he was portrayed in the media, he had it all, you know. But it was a tragedy, and watching the impact of the raw grief and emotion on his mother's face in the news as she learns of his son's death, it may be left friends and family members wondering what they could have done, not that it was their fault. But it's an opportunity for all of us to learn how to help and prevent, you know, more needless deaths from occurring. So when we look at, you know, what we can learn, the state of Wyoming has had one of the highest suicide completions rates statistically for the last five years in a row, and it's 100% preventable. I don't know if Junior had a mental illness, but we do know that many football players, because of their occupation, as well as baseball players, boxers, um, are at risk of getting traumatic brain injury, which is a brain illness. Um, So, you know, while he appeared to be highly successful, a superstar, you know, one could say that he had it all. Inside, he may have been lonely or felt like he couldn't reach out for help, like many adults, because, you know particularly the male gender and particularly when you're idolized in the media, there's a fear of being perceived as weak or asking for help. But inside, you know, he could have been a very lonely person. He could have been suffering and, and been prevented from reaching out for help because of that societal stigma associated with the illness. David? Mm. Uh, uh, thank you so much. I think that was very interesting and, and very uh, informative. My question would be, what would be some of the treatments, you know, uh, to help somebody uh, get back on their feet or, you know, does there always have to be drugs involved? Could you go into that a little bit? Um, No, you know, again, I want to disclose that I'm not a doctor or clinician, Uh but I would think that, um, first of all, having family and friends to look for the warning signs such as changes in behavior, giving away items, maybe increased use of drug or alcohol as a coping mechanism. And then, you know, know your resources. If you are suffering inside or you know of somebody who's exhibiting some of the behaviors that I listed, it's really important to know that there are mental health agencies um, available, you know, in every community um, in Wyoming. And, you know, I can't speak nationwide. But we're also engaged in a really, um, really just groundbreaking program called Crisis Intervention Teams. And crisis intervention teams are police officers who are trained in um, crisis de-escalation. So if, for example, a family member calls because one of their loved ones is suicidal, it's important to know to ask for a CIT officer. Now, as far as treatments, yes, some things are treated with, with medicine, like any other illness, but there's also, you know, pieces to put in place for somebody who is suffering with a mental illness, such as having a really good support system, whether that be their family or friends. We have a great program called Family to Family that helps educate, and Linda Valenzuela is here, and and she might have an opportunity to talk to you about the importance of the family reaching out and providing a support system and learning, you know, more about mental illness so that they can help somebody get through recovery. You know, I have a question. I know you got one, Terry, man. You know, like um, Andrew um, Galen was um, doing a roommate, so it's really something really close to him. But, you know, like Galen, we talked about, and I talked to you, Terry, last night about, you know, when I went through it, you know, I didn't want nobody to see, you know, 
the signs of it. You know, I always when I, I was out in the public, I played a smile on my face. You know, I didn't want nobody to see it, and I didn't. I didn't want to see it. Why is that? You know. Well, I think that you are, you know, taught um, not only, you know, it's, and this is not um, gender-specific. Mental illness affects everyone, every gender. But I think, you know, from a gender perspective, men are taught to be tough. Men are taught to not ask for help, not ask for support. And particularly, you know, when somebody's a, a football hero or somebody is, you know, portrayed by the media to be super successful, it makes you feel inside like, I'm a failure, you know. I can't ask for help. I can't ask for support. When really, if you had any other illness, wouldn't you go to the doctor? You know, so you need no. to be comfortable reaching out for help and picking up on the warning signs that something is wrong. But knowing not only to see, you know, see your your local practitioner, but also to seek mental help because it's not just medication that fixes it. Really, it's a combination, um, according to whoever your treat, treatment provider is, of either medication, counseling, talk therapy, a number of different um, therapies that they have developed, you know, over the course of studying mental illness, as well as having a good support system that can provide interventions for you when they see something's going wrong, because sometimes your brain might not even recognize that, as well as, you know, having people that are safe and comfortable for you to talk to about your illness. Okay. Oh, I, I didn't know if we were going to break or not. Were we going to break yet? No, not yet. Okay. Uh, I just have a uh, a comment, but uh, being in a law enforcement professional and being here in Wyoming, um, I totally agree and understand uh, that we are, uh, you know, have, have a high suicide rate. Uh, we deal with that on a, all the time. <clears throat> there seems to be certain times when that kind of thing happens. Um, and, Andrea, if you could help Let's try to understand maybe is there a certain time because it seems like sometimes people get down or or whatnot it's it, it's coming into the spring or the summer season mm-hmm. uh, other times it's you know Thanksgiving Christmas is coming up um, does that have any any correlation um, well I think that you know there has been studies that have shown that the correlation between suicide and the holidays is markedly higher, but I think that, you know, the societal impressions of what the holiday should be and and glorifying, you know, time spent with family and time spent with friends and, and you know, there's a lot of materialism, materialism associated with that um, may set people's expectations very high. In addition, you know, the rationale for spring being a high time for suicide rates is you know, you look at growth and change and things like that, and, and some people may feel that um, things in their life haven't changed. But, you know, each person's experience is different. Um, so while those rates are higher, um, you know, there's really no one set explanation for why that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jayla? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to take a break, and then we come back. I got a question. We talked about Andrew that can these head concussions that these players sustain it, can that be effective of all these problems that, you know, these athletes are having? So what we're going to do is take a break. we got a guest, Andrew Hammond from NAMI, Wyoming, and we got co-host Terry Jackson, host Galen Saxon. This is James Love. We'll be right back.
internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Play ball! If you're looking to talk baseball, even in the offseason, look no further than the King's Corner Talking Baseball with former World Series champion Jim Lairitz. Jim's known for a rather controversial stance during his show. He's brutally honest and ready to talk with current and former players, owners, and other key figures to bring you baseball from an insider's view. You won't want to miss a single episode. The King's Corner, Talking Baseball with Jim Lairitz is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Do you feel the need for speed? Whatever your addiction, NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, Formula One, or even lawnmower racing, Pit Pass USA has got you covered. Larry Henry here, host of Pit Pass USA. I put my 30-plus years of being a motorsports broadcaster to work to bring you not only the best guests, but also the most interesting guests in racing. Pit Pass USA with Larry Henry. Your front row seat to the world of racing. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. Be there or get a DNF. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving back uh, with Loving That Sports Talk. And like I said, I love these kind of shows like this. This is one I stayed up all night reading on. It's very interesting. But, Terry, go ahead and ask the question that you have for Andrew. Well, Andrew, if you could explain to us about concussions a little bit, if you can. Um, what happens to the brain um, when when a person gets a concussion? And how can the concussion result affect uh, a person's mental ability to where they're either, either they develop a mental illness um, later on in life, or is it a short-term thing, or is it a long-term thing? Well, you know, um, I'm going to have to give you the layperson's answer because, again, I'm not a clinician. I'm certainly not a doctor. My experience has really been working with, you know, battered women in the last 20 years and really seeing, of course, because of the violence that they suffer, um, a lot of consequences from having somebody hit them, you know, in the head. And the things that I saw or observed were definitely um, very impulsivity, like a lack of impulse control, um, maybe some pretty significant mood swings. But in terms of what happens um, when you get a concussion, I think that that would be best answered by a doctor. What we do know is that brain injuries can trigger you know, a mental illness 
presenting itself. But a lot of mental illness, you know, is maybe genetic. And so there may be a predisposition lying there anyways to have um, a mental illness. But as far as the correlation between a traumatic brain injury and um, that causing a mental illness, I think it would be best left to, you know, somebody who's actually studied these things. <laughs> so, yeah. Kayla? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just interested in, do you, do you have any figures or statistics on people who have had head injuries and, uh, and, as it relates to how many, you know, uh, head injuries they've had, if it affects the brain more than someone who doesn't have any injuries at all, if you have any statistics like that? You know, I really don't. I, I do know that, you know, when, when this um, incident happened with Junior CL, I did a lot of research on sports-related injuries, and you do see a very high correlation between um, what I would call a lack of impulse control or failure to see the consequences so acting on, you know, your first impulse rather than realizing the, the after effects, whether that be, um, you know, contemplating suicide or following through with a suicide attempt. Or, um, you know, we know in Junior's case, at one point he attempted to drive his car off a cliff. Whether that was a suicide attempt or not was never known. But... Um, there just is a correlation between people, you know, who, who do get injured during sports um, having those traumatic brain injuries, but how that relates to, you know, the other range of mental illnesses or how it triggers that, I couldn't tell you. I'm sorry. You know, Andrew, um, I have a question. I think you kind of asked it a little bit, but you can talk a little bit more about it. I talked to Terry about last night, and I think, Galen, you said it one time we talked. You know, when I was hurt from football, you know, I was so upset with, you know, because I thought it was a failure and I got into the depressed thing. But I think I, I read in your, your, your pamphlet thing, like, willpower can't make you get past this. And I think, Galen, you asked, do everybody need to be medicated? But you can get off it, though? I mean, get out of that depression? You can definitely have recovery from a mental illness, um, you know, but willpower will not get you through. I mean, I think it's really important to recognize that it's an illness and not blame it on your character or just say put up with it, you'll get over it or move past it because it is related to your emotions. It is an illness. And would you put yourself in a position of saying, oh, I have cancer. If I just push past this, I'll get through it. Or I have cancer. I'm not going to tell anybody. You know, I'm not going to go to a doctor. And I think the stigmas in society, again, really prevent people from, you know, knowing that it's okay to ask for help or even recognizing that it's not a character flaw. It's not a defect. It's certainly not a sin or a crime. It is an illness. And so... um just being aware of those things, I think, really helps. I think the other thing that we tend to do is when somebody di you know, discusses that they have an illness, we tend to label them and say, you know, so-and-so is bipolar, rather than you wouldn't say, you know, um, Jane is cancer, you know, but you say Jane is bipolar. Well, that really labels her, and instead, you know, the terminology should be, you know, Jane has been diagnosed with bipolar illness. So I think that, you know, reducing those kind of things that happen in society 
um, can really help. There is a lot of people, you know, just a really disproportionate amount of people in the state of Wyoming who are incarcerated who also have a mental illness. And I think it's just really huge that the crisis intervention teams are being trained to recognize and provide the appropriate supports to people who are suffering from an illness rather than jailing them. I think that's just huge. And, you know, we do have some studies that show that the, you know, amount of incarcerations have decreased significantly since the crisis intervention team started in Wyoming. We also no. have some really important... Go ahead, Andrew. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, you know, that, that NAMI Wyoming, as well as our um, affiliate programs, which are throughout the state of Wyoming, if you contact us here either at our office um, or through our website, which is www.namiwyoming.org, or our phone number is 307-265-2573, we can put you in touch with people that offer some of our groups and um, I have Linda Valenzuela here who could talk about, you know, the family-to-family family so that families can become more educated. So I'm going to pass the phone to her and let her address that. Okay. Thank you. This is Linda Valenzuela. How are you doing, Linda? Very Hello, Linda. Good. Thank you. Go ahead, Terry. Well, quick question. We, we, we talked a little bit about depression. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see on television some of our superstars, Michael Jordan, John Elway, these guys that have won championships or whatnot that have been in their profession for 15, sometimes 16, as long as 16 years, and when they get ready to retire, um, they can't help but, but cry and shed tears because it's it's almost like I'm, you know, I'm giving up something and, and this is all I know. Um, with that being said, that's enough to lead somebody into a depression or at least partial. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about depression as a mental illness, how do, what do you suggest a, a person does to, to help bring them from a depression when they're no longer interested in doing the things that they do? Um, they have a, the same old grind uh, every day, day in and day out, and, and they're reclusive. How does a person... And, and what are your suggestions to to help that person? Well, just like anything, we would see this behavior is abnormal. So we would try to get that family member into the doctor. Uh, maybe get a physical checkup to see if something physical is going wrong. And then if nothing's wrong physically, let's pursue getting them to a psychologist, a psychiatrist to get them treated that way. And then a counselor would be beneficial, undoubtedly. But then another avenue that we would suggest, too, is to get the family educated about what depression can do in the various mental illnesses and how that can affect that loved one so that we can be more of an advocate than someone that's critical of just what we're seeing as uh, erratic or irrational behavior. I know, Linda, we talked about it for a little bit before we came on the air about when a person loses something that they love doing, you know, that really will put them in that state of depression, right? You know, because they got that manhood and they feel that they won't have it no more. Am I right? Am I right, Glenda? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it just is like dreams have been shattered, their life is coming to an end, and, and learning how to cope with a new reality can be a real challenge for anyone. Gayla? 
I really don't have any other questions. I think uh, you guys are answering, asking some good questions, and and there are some. There's one thing. If you had time, I would like to explain a little bit about the family to family program that can really be beneficial to the family, uh, not only the ill person, but it's evidence based that families that learn about mental illness are much more of a support to a family member than ones who don't know anything about it. And I would like to just explain just a couple of minutes, if I could. Uh, This class lasts 12 weeks, and the reason that it's long to some people's mind (coughs) is that you're getting information about how a person's uh, personality and behavior is affected by mental illness. And many people that take this class say that they have found this class life-changing because they've developed abilities to be more effective in their communication, their problem-solving. They uh, develop coping mechanisms for themselves and self-care because it can be very stressful for family members when they see someone they love going through uh, turmoil that they are not familiar with. And by being a better advocate in this way, they can also be more in tune to see if they're um, maybe deteriorating and learn how to communicate with doctors, even though there's HIPAA laws, they learn how they can communicate with the doctor and things like that. So that's all a plus to help our loved ones. So you got one? Oh, I got one, but you don't care. <laughs> oh, I got one. Go ahead, Mo. Okay. Well, Linda, and I know what you're saying. You know, we want to, they got to do another professional one. They got to give up that they love. But, you know, when I had, I heard and I know I had to give it up. I couldn't watch that sport, you know. Why is that? Because I was hating it now? Well, I'm not a doctor, but I. But just the human feeling of that is that the pain of losing something you love is deep. And anybody that loses something that they're that they've done with everything and every ounce of strength in their body and focus is going to feel a terrible loss. So they've got to focus their attention in a different direction gradually to fill that big hole that's been created. Well, Linda, would you, this is Terry Jackson, would you agree or disagree that there's a, a big stigma on um, as far as athletes and maybe people in law enforcement, uh, maybe people in, you know, in, in positions that, you know, we are the man, we are the superstar, we are supposed to be strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably see less and deal with less of those people in your programs, more so than you do other people. Would that be fair? To I say? would think that would be very accurate. Uh, stigma affects people so dramatically. We've even had people that are just ordinary people who don't want anyone to know that they're coming to a class to learn about this. That's how powerful the stigma is. So you can just imagine people that are in the spotlight, doctors. We don't want anybody to know that we have a mental illness or a lawyer. My goodness, what would happen to our practice? Yeah. So it, you it can show signs of, of weakness is, is yes, what the stigma and is. It's so untrue because people carry on with their lives with proper treatment uh, most of the time, just like before. But if you're not treated, that's a whole new world. And that's what yeah. leads to many of the sad consequences. And the tragedies, yeah. Yes. 
I have a question, Linda. Uh, it seems to me that a lot of people are being diagnosed with this bipolar disease. Mm-hmm. And is it more prevalent now? Or is there something that's going on that's causing it more? Could you explain why it's being diagnosed so much uh, more than it has been in the past? Well, I, I'm going to speak from just a layman that there's more understanding of the illness, and they're also learning more about the complexities of it that sometimes there's several illnesses involved. And so the more we know about an illness, the more people are going to be diagnosed with some of these things. It's just a fact of life. You there, Terry? Yeah, I'm here. Go ahead, Terry. I know you got one before I ask my question. <laughs> no, go ahead, love. <laughs> you know, Linda, and I understand you saying that we all say it's like bipolar and all like that, but are some of these people, like, you know, I think we, we talked about this illness is already in them, and it don't come out till later. Can you explain that? Well, it's just like with a lot of things. There's Like if you take diabetes as an example, there can be a family history of it, and the diet of the family members and all these things are factors that can enter into it manifesting itself to what degree it does. And many times some of these mental illness lay dormant, but maybe an injury will trigger it, Maybe for some people they might take certain street drugs and that can trigger it. So the human body's fragile. We don't treat it with as much care as we really should, and the brain is fragile too. And so, now from this Terry again, from your experience in training and, and, and dealing with people, when when someone is diagnosed with a mental illness and they are prescribed medications, um, tell us how important it is that those medications are taken and monitored and um, left up to a doctor to be taken off of or, or, or prescribed a higher dose or less dose. It's really vital. Mm-hmm. And a family, and this is why family family is so important along with this, because family members can tell after they're around their loved one that's been unstabilized on their meds when they're starting, maybe quit taking it like they should, they're, because they notice symptoms early on. And to go off meds, when you've been on a, a dose that it can be very, very, uh, a very negative thing. It's just key that people go to the doctor, and if they're going to go off a med, they decrease it under the doctor's instruction. Uh, it's just, uh, just vital that instructions are followed. It's just when you're taking medications that are uh, to help the brain, you can't play Russian roulette. You and it's not, uh, huh? it's not a good idea to over-medicate yourself You don't either, want to take right? more or less than what you're told to do. <coughs> you need to relate this, what you're thinking. If you don't like what it's doing to you, talk to the doctor about a different medication or a lower dose. But communicate. That's, people have the tendency to say, I'm not doing it and I'm not going back. That yeah. is not showing intelligence. Or those I don't like the way they make me feel. Well, but when I'm not on them, you know, I'm right. totally way bad. <laughs> well, and you know. sometimes when people are not on their meds, the consequences that are created from not being on them can have a lot more negative influence on their life than when they were on. Yeah. So there's, there's a trade-off. You've got to decide. Do you like mm-hmm. dysfunction, or are you going to try to do the best you can with what you've got? 
and to follow a routine that's been found to benefit. It's really you know it's a choice people make. You know, guys, we got to take another break, but Linda, when we come back, if we can have you, you know, the line, but I'd like to ask you a question, too, that are we over-medicating, you know? So I'd like you to answer that when we come back, but we're going to take another break. This is James Loving, host of Loving Sports Talk, co-host Terry Jackson, and host Terry Jackson. we got Linda Valenzuela on the line. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time Noon Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time. Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. James Loving back host of Loving That Sports Talk. Uh, we got Andrea Hammond back on the line, guys. Well, Terry, I know uh, you got a question for right after you. I have one. Okay. Well, love you and I spoke before. We talked about um, the big loss going on in the NFL and what that's entailing. That there's so many former NFL players who have had these 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 concussions and injuries and have, have talked about contemplating suicide and, and, and stuff like that. Um, and I don't, I don't think it's just the NFL. I think now that, you know, all this has come out, I think, um, a lot of the NFL players are, 
are feeling more comfortable about coming coming forward. And I think that that's that's what this is all about. I, and I hope uh, Junior's death um, does that for these guys. Um, you know, we as men are tough and and strong, and you know, we have. Uh, it, it's it's difficult for us to come out and say, "Hey, I'm hurting inside," or, or "There's something wrong with me. I need some help." Um, Andrew, what do you think about that? Well, I think, you know, that it's sad that it took the tragedy of somebody's suicide or a lawsuit to bring this to, you know, um, society as a large as attention. But I do think that the positive thing is that at least football players are, you know, willing to disclose um, how, how their illness may or their injury may have affected them. And, you know, the more you talk about something, the more you normalize that experience. So I think that if we have people out there that are talking about, you know, at one point I was, you know, very depressed, or at one point I was contemplating suicide, it makes it a more normal process for others to reach out and ask for help. But I'm sorry that it came to the point of lawsuits. You know, um, football players, as well as a number of other professions, you know, really are at risk for sustaining certain kinds of injuries. Um, and um, I'm glad that it started a dialogue about, um, you know, the, this issue of mental illness or this issue of, you know, suicide. For me personally, I think it's kind of sad that, um, for example, Junior Seale's mother was, you know, shown on the news and, and you know, um, just witnessing her grief and loss. I wish that we could maybe not so much um, sensationalize that 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 in the media, but talk about suicide as an issue, as um, a, a medical issue that is affecting our, our you know, the, our population, in, in particular, you know, people who suffer sports injuries at a disproportionate rate. Um, so, you know, that's, that's what I think about it. I think, you know, the, you know there's a, there, the positive thing is people are learning to disclose their experiences and, and learning how to ask for help. You know, um, I'm glad you said that, Andrew, because I argue with Galen, you know, Ted, you remember when we argued about the media. Um, mm-hmm. And to explain that, because we talked about that, Andrew, about the media makes all this to where it was. You know, I wouldn't want my mom on the news, you know, doing, you know. Go ahead, Andrew. Well, you know, that that's just my personal opinion. Um, I, I, I think it's sad whenever the media uses either somebody's success to define that person, because I think that that prevents them from asking for help. But I also think it's sad when the people, when the media thinks that they own the person and feels like they have a right to, you know, shove news cameras in somebody's face as the mother learns that her son just committed suicide. That's just sick. What we should be focusing on is the issue of suicide and how to prevent it or how to make it safe for people to either identify the warning signs or to know where to go to for ask for help. And I wish that the media would put as much attention on that as they do on the speculation of the fact that somebody may have committed suicide, like, you know, what we saw with Whitney Houston. Galen, Terry? Well, I'm actually involved in the concussion lawsuit, and actually uh, I spoke with the NFLPA a little while back, and there's over 20-something lawsuits out there right now against the NFL uh, for the concussion um, um, aspect of the game. I just, uh, you know, it, it's the denial, you know, it's the, it's the um, 
fact that you know these players need to be protected from themselves, including myself. And, and and you know it's not out there. Even this year, we saw several cases where someone got hurt, like Colt McCoy, the quarterback, or um, or uh, the offensive lineman. I forgot who he played for, who injured himself pretty severely with a concussion, and then he ended up he wound up back out on the field. You know, and, and the thing is, is that you know the cohesiveness of the offense is more important than that person's injury. You know, and so. You know, this, even though they have some safeguards in place, those two particular cases, uh, those safeguards did not protect the player, and they ended up going back out there and playing. So, uh, you know, there's something that's going to have to be done in the NFL so that that doesn't happen. Right, but I think it's important to recognize, you know, um, certainly the NFL, and, you know, America has a history with football. You know, the college I went to, that was, you know, that was the place to be was on the football team. But... You know, that has to be balanced with people's health. And I want to, you know, point out that not just the NFL, from the time your kids are little, whether they're playing, you know, midget football or they're, you know, playing um, baseball or whatever, there are things that you can put into place to prevent them from getting a head injury. But in correlation to how it relates to mental illness, um, I just want to, again, bring the focus back to, you know, the, the agency that I work for, NAMI, and, again, reiterate that we have a number of programs, and I, and I understand this show goes beyond the boundaries of Wyoming, but anybody can Google NAMI and get in touch with people who can provide the, you know, the family support program, um, the family education program, as well as NAMI Connections, which is a support group for consumers that are living with a mental illness. And all of our services are, are free. And um, so, you know, I want to let people know that there are programs out there. If you're identifying either yourself or you're thinking, wow, I know somebody who has some of those warning signs, definitely get in touch with either NAMI National or if you're, you know, in the state of Wyoming, certainly feel free to get a hold of our office and we can get you in touch with a support system. Hey, guys, uh, something real quick. Trying to prevent con- concussions, and we've talked about that a little bit. As fast, excuse me, as fast as the game is today in in the NFL now, and and even in college as well, it's faster. The guys are bigger, they're stronger. Um, what is the NFL going to do, and whose responsibility is it? Is it the NFL's responsibility? Um, and, and speaking in terms of this lawsuit as well, to help these guys, um, because it's a game that we all know and love. Uh, and we played it because we wanted to play it. Maybe we knew the risks. Maybe we didn't know the risks. Um, how do you how do you pick sides or differentiate who's responsible for this? Is it you as a person because this is what you chose to do, uh, knowing going in, or is should the NFL compensate these guys for for some of the damages? Uh, I'll start out answering that question. You know what, Terry? You know it's. I don't. People can get concussions, you know, uh, and and be all right. It's just the fact that, just like any other injury, if you if you blow your knee out, you're going to take some time to rehabilitate it. You're going to take some time to let it heal. You know, if it's bad enough, you know. As it relates to the brain and those injuries in the past, those injuries weren't allowed to heal, and so a person would get back out on the field with a brain injury that is not healed, and then they would continue to ram heads with each other because, you know, it was just wasn't known, you know. And so now that you have the information, uh, 
stating that concussions need to heal before a player gets back out on the field. And you have that information in hand and you still continue to put players in harm's way, then there's a problem there. Right. But who is continuing to do that? Is it the coach's responsibility? Is it someone uh, in the NFL's hierarchy's responsibility to watch over all this? Um, how do we, where do we place blame? Well, a lot of it has to do with it is a high, it's a big money sport. And so players are to perform. And if you don't perform, then you lose your job. And so they're going to try to be out there to play so that the next guy does not come in and take their job. And so, uh, you know, sometimes we don't think correctly as it relates to that because we're thinking about, you know, taking care of our families or whatever, but we're going to go out there and try to compete uh, regardless of injuries because we do that anyway. It's just our makeup. But we need someone in place to protect us from ourselves sometimes. And, yeah. you know, I've never thought about that like that in the past, but that's absolutely the correct way to do it. Galen, I read an article about Tony Dorsett, and when he was playing with the Dallas Cowboys, he would play hurt, and, and these guys were hitting him and hearing him wince and whimper. And they would go over to the coaches and say, hey, get this guy out of the game. You know, he's hurt. Get him out of the game. And Tony Dorsett would, would, would still be in the game playing um he says at one point they were they were hitting me so hard i was squealing like a pig you know <laughs> yeah. and i mean we have to protect ourselves from ourselves but we have a coach we have a, a coaching team we have national um professional coaches who should should be somewhat responsible even though these guys are grown men and, and they're out there at their own will where do you draw the line and at what point is it a game, and at what point does it become violence or the intentional infliction of injury? You know, I, do, I, you know, I don't know the game of football that well. I assume that there's a huge assumption of risk when you play this game, and that's in your contracts. But you know, that has to be balanced on you know what is safe. You know, so Andrew, yeah. Andrew, maybe you can answer this question. I know we talked about the Galen and Terry. That you know, I had two concussions, and I don't know how many you had Galen and Terry, but. Like you said, getting two that I know of, you know, is that because I didn't want to know the other one's injury or the symptom wasn't there? <laughs> you know, again, like diagnosing a concussion would really be up to a doctor, but I just think that, you know, societally, you know, the priority placed on football and going out and seeing these heavy hits, and, you know, we just saw the huge scandal where where players were paid to intentionally injure others, you know, and, and got bonuses for that, really, to me, means that we should take a hard look about what we're prioritizing in our society. You know, and also, too, like I said, it's a big-money sport, so these coaches want the best players on the field because if they don't have the best players on the field then they lose, and if they lose, they lose their jobs, you know. Yeah, but at what and cost so are you willing to it's win? It's a vicious you circle, know? you know, and, you know, you can say so-and-so got hurt, and that's the reason why I lost. Well, the media and, and, and the owner of that team, they don't care. Did right. you win? That's all they want to know. And if you didn't win, why didn't you win? We pay you yeah. millions of dollars to coach this team. Well, you can't say such and such person was hurt, and that's the reason why we lost. Well, you should have had a proper backup, so forth and so on. So, it's it's a it's a vicious cycle, 
and there's you know there's there's some there's a happy medium somewhere, but certainly the players need to be protected. Uh, and as it relates to concussions, I don't believe the league has been um, monitoring that and being a good steward over the player as it relates to th- those injuries. Go ahead, Andrew. Well, you know, I, I think that, you know, Linda just pointed out, you know, an important point. It's like, at, at what cost are you willing to, you know, to sacrifice your, the rest of your life um, to win, you know? And at what cost is the coach willing to put people that, you know, I would hope that your team would be your family, put them on the line to win, you know? But it's, you know, again, it's a system that I don't understand very well, Um but I think it, you know, it goes back to, you know, what are we, what are we placing our priorities on? Is it winning, or is it a good game? It goes back to, are you hurt or are you injured? That's right. You know, and and, and a lot of people are, you know, you listen to these guys right now, uh, even in the NBA. Oh, we play with injuries. You know, it's it's the it's the time that we play with injuries. Uh, I think it's Karan Butler has injured his hand, and the doctor said, yeah. You can play, but if you hurt it, you're going to be out a heck of a lot longer than you ever would have if you get it fixed now. What's he doing? He's playing. He's playing. He's willing to take that risk to play now. Now, does a coach step in and say, huh, you know what? I want to save you from this. I know this is our first time being in the playoffs, but you know what? I I care about you more than that. I don't want you to take a chance on injuring yourself. Whose responsibility is it? They're giving Karan Butler the choice to choose whether he plays or not. Is that fair? Is that right? But you know what, though, Terry, and, and, and help me out, Andrew, just so we talk about and Galen, you know you hate hearing this, but look at what they did to Jay Cutler when he was hurt. The media said, hey, look at him on the sideline, smile. He wasn't hurt, but the media made him act like he wasn't hurt, right? Yeah, that's not but a good example, example because I don't like Jacob. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, they said he quit on his team. They said all sorts of things, and that was the fans saying that, you know. Mm-hmm. And so there's some expectations from the plans, from the from the from the fans, the players, the media. Your teammates expect you to play injured. The media expect you to play injured if it's not. You know something real, real serious for sure. You know, uh, yeah, so, I mean, there's some injuries you can play through, and if it's something injured. that you know, we've watched Kobe Bryant do it for years, play through injuries, and mm-hmm. and so as long as it's not going to affect them in the long term, I mean, of course we're going to do that as athletes, but concussions and brain injuries will affect you, especially down the road for the rest of your life. Absolutely. You know, and so th- that was a difference: a knee, an ankle, a finger. All those types of things, you know. I mean, you can you can limp the rest of your life like I do now, but definitely, if you can't think correctly and operate and function, and you're depressed, that's certainly a different type of injury and a different animal altogether. Right, yeah. and I think it goes back to you know, like the media feeling like they had the right to shove cameras in, you know, the grieving mother's face. They don't own you. The fans don't own you. You know, your obligation, first and foremost, is to your health and to your family. You know, and it's sad that we've lost sight of that as a priority, you know, in order to, you know, have that that fame, that fortune, you know. Well, you know what, Andrew, we only got like three minutes left. I want you to take us out to, you know, in the show for 
Okay. So tell us, you know, what, you know. Well, I think that, you know, I just want to stress again that, you know, NAMI Wyoming as well as, you know, uh, NAMI as a whole is as a nationwide organization. And we serve as the primary organization for information about the relevant issues and progress in the field of mental illness. We want to be a leader for positive change in the attitudes of the public and the media in terms of um, living with a mental illness. Um, NAMI Wyoming certainly empowers its local affiliate programs and collaborates with other mental health organizations as well as, you know, other partners in the state such as the CIT teams to um, form a grassroots advocacy network so that we can respond to, you know, state and local policy surrounding mental illness. And we want to make sure that everybody knows that our services are available and accessible. They are, you know, uh, time-tested, evidence-based, high-quality services and they come at no cost to you. Our goal is to lead to a better quality of life for people affected by mental illness as well as their family and allies. So, I again, I appreciate you having us on the program. Um, we can be reached here in Wyoming at 307-265-2573 or on our website, which is www.namiwyoming.org. We also have a Facebook page, so please feel free to friend us. Well, thank you again, uh, Andrew, for being on the show and, you know, giving us the insight and um, the knowledge of what's going on. Terry Gaylor. Andrew, we really do appreciate your time, and thank you for being very informative. Thank you. Take care. Yeah, thank you for your time. It's awesome. Well, it's another one of those great shows with James, Terry, and Gaylor now, Loving F Sports Talk, and see you next week on the show. Same bad time, same bad channel. All right, guys? See you. All right. Have a good one. Take care. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Loving That Sports Talk. But don't worry, James Loving will be back next week, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to love more sports talk then. And keep in touch with James all week at lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com.